<laughs> Salutations from Sedona, folks. This is Gemini Brett, Agent 1123 of the Cosmic Intelligence Agency, here with Agent 717, Maurice Fernandez, sitting on the deck of his new home in this amazingly powerful place called Sedona. How in the heavens are you, Maurice? Beautiful. Powerful new moon, the first in Leo, <clears throat> and um, and looking forward to an amazing discussion and to an amazing month. Yeah, it's almost, there's been so much build up to the eclipse on August 21st that um, it's, it's incredible that we're only one month away, right? And I mean, I've been talking about it for so long now. But it's almost like, I think yesterday, the Leo new moon, it was like the first time I hadn't really very intentionally connected to new moon in a while. Almost like this first Leo moon just in my own world. And it's so powerful, right, with Mars. And <clears throat> it's almost like getting lost in the mix because I'm, you know, so strongly looking forward, I think, to the, the next Leo new moon. So first of all, it's really interesting that we have two Leo new moons in this year where there is this very strong eclipse happening at the star Regulus. Um, and I thought that might be a fun thing to share about, how that can happen. Um, but I really wanted to talk to you because there's been so much ecl eclipse talk. Um, and my feeling is that the evolutionary astrology <clears throat> fold of the cosmic tree is maybe a little bit more tuned into the lunar nodes um, than the other paradigms at this time. And I was really excited to just ask you um, even before we talk about eclipses or lunations, what about South Node, Aquarius, North Node, Leo? In general, what do we feel in that? Yes, um, and I like to look at them as an axis <laughs> of equal importance. Um, one of the things I like, you know, I feel is important to demystify is so that somehow we have to leave the South Node behind and you know, grow towards the North Node. And obviously, that doesn't work like that in nature. Um, both nodes bring a force that, that, a force of duality. And the purpose is to transcend the duality of the nodes and to actually merge them. Mm. So there may be some kind of motion from South to North, but then it returned to the South. So if we look at Leo Aquarius, you know, I think it's a fascinating archetype. Um, we look at the human, Aquarius is the human angel, and Leo is the lion. Why is the lion facing the human? What do they have in common? Why do they share that axis? And, and when we understand that, we can understand the true meaning of this axis. So we know that the human and the lion are on top of the pyramid chain, you know, the food chain. So they are basically responsible for governance on the planet. And we speak of um, Aquarius as reflecting the human mind, the higher mind. We speak of Leo as representing the heart. So it is the fusion of heart and brain. Mm -hmm. If we speak, if we speak of these axes, obviously, the purpose is not to be either 
brain or heart, but to learn to fuse both. And that's right there you understand that there is no real uh, separation between South and North Node, that actually they truly depend on each other. As you know, I, I think that's important because we read in, in so many different uh, references about the nodes that somehow one is negative, the other one's positive, mm. and I think that's not doing a service. Yeah, I love that so much. There's this feeling that I often receive in reading transmissions of Leave the South Behind. And, you know, I just think of, you don't, you don't grow, you grow out of something, you don't grow away from it. We use that term growing out of something like you are growing away from it, but that's not the truth, right? We're actually rooted in a tradition, even in our own initiations and even pain, our life's experience. We don't grow away from that, you know, we grow from that. And, um, and I love what you just said about the North Node going back to the South Node, too. Yeah, I mean, I've seen... You, you can see natally when people have planets on either end. So, for example, someone born with a lot of planets on the North Node, they will naturally gravitate there more easily. But you will see that then the South Node becomes a challenge. You know, that's where they suddenly... That's their lesson. That's where they need, they need to return to, mm. because they went too far to one extreme or the other. And it's, and it's particularly timely, not just because of the eclipse and the fact that we are now in a cycle of eighteen months with the transits of the nodes in Leo Aquarius until November two thousand eighteen, but we, there's a lot of talk about the age of Aquarius. And one thing that we need to realize is that the ages are determined by the precession of the equinox. What this means in a very simple way is that spring in the north, March 20th, aligns with a new constellation. And it's, you know, it's moving towards Aquarius, from Pisces to Aquarius. And that's what determines the age of Aquarius is when spring rises in Aquarius. So the new beginning, the first ray of, you know, the, the sun in spring. But we forget that there's another spring in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> and spring in September in the southern hemisphere is going to be in Leo. Yeah. So it's not the age of Aquarius. It's the age of Aquarius and Leo. Yeah. Just the same as we are in the age of Pisces and Virgo, and there's Christ and there's a virgin. Mm. You know, it, that's we need to see the fuller picture. Yeah, you know, a picture that comes in when we talk about these alignments and when we talk about the heart and the head and the angel and the lion um, is the Sphinx, right? So the, the great Sphinx at the Great Pyramid, the Giza site, which, as we know, was a lion with this human face. I mean, many will say that um, originally it was probably a lion's face, and when it was either destroyed or perhaps even intentionally destroyed um, so a pharaoh's face could replace this lion some time ago. Now, first of all, if you just really gaze at that face without bias, and so what I'm suggesting now <laughs> will make that even more impossible, but I, ver I see a woman's face, like, without a doubt, um, and that realigns a lot of what I was taught about what the Sphinx is. Um, 
But the Sphinx is gazing due east. And the thing about spring and the spring sun, I actually did this a few years ago. I went to Enchanted Rock outside of Austin for the equinox, and I was going to see what constellation the sun was rising in. And then the issue was the sun rose, and so I couldn't see the constellations. <laughs> so I could see the constellations just before sunrise fading in the dawn's light, you know. Um, and some actually talk about these shifting of the ages like a little bit earlier maybe because it's what you can actually see. But what I've learned since is that the equinox points, they rise due east and set due west every day of the year, right? So that's the sun, when the sun gets there, it does rise due east and sets due west. But those points which shift through the constellational um, zodiac over this great year, this 26,000 year cycle, they always are east and west. So it's almost better like at solstice to go engage with the equinox points and see where we are in the constellational makeup. So here we have this Sphinx who's staring with this angel, this human face east, perhaps awaiting the rising of um, the water bearer, as I like to call that constellation because there's a, a difference between constellations and tropical signs. And then setting behind as the water bearer rises is the lion, right? So it does seem very much to be like a, a processional marker, a calendar calling our awareness into this great shift that's here. And the Sphinx has this amazingly large bump on its chest, mm -hmm. right? Which seems to suggest the heart of the lion, mm -hmm. the star regulus, where this eclipse will align. Here and on you the see also the Sphinx and the pharaohs had that weird hat mm -hmm. or whatever you know um, headdress yeah. headdress which is exactly if you look at a, a setting sun the you know the the structural aspect of the setting sun looks like that pharaoh hat hmm. and it is basically um, another you know strong solar Embodiment and uh, the Egyptian, you know, we're we're really tuned into sun consciousness, and uh, so the Sphinx, the you know, if we look at the Sphinx and we understand that it's the fusion of human and lion, and it, and you know, it happens to be that the constellation of Aquarius is exactly uh, balancing the constellation of Leo. We understand that there is tremendous power in this axis. Mm. It's an axis of leadership. It's an axis that represents the future. Because Aquarius, you know, brings the future through the mind, so it's the birth of new ideas and new paradigms, whereas Leo is the birth of children. So it's basically making sure that the torch is passed on to the next generation and that there is a continuity of life because if we were to stop creating and procreating, life wouldn't be. So th I think this is one of the most important thing to understand about Leo and the heart of the lion, if we refer to regulars, but also the whole concept of Leo is why is it associated with love? Mm. Why is it associated with the heart? Um, because it is our opportunity. My feeling is that it has to do with the love of life. And it is when you love life, you show up like the sun every morning. Mm -hmm. And you perform 
your duty, your calling, your destiny. So the moment you, you know, you fall out of love, you lose your love, you become disillusioned, cynical, um, which can happen with Aquarius, the polarity. When you work only with the brain and you're not tuned into the love of life and you, you become too detached, you don't want to incarnate, you feel that everything is backwards, nothing works, you're not showing up. You feel that nothing calls you. Hmm. So the heart of the lion is about waking up every morning just like the sun does. And it's about wanting to be here in this world, in this dense dimension with all its problems and its thickness and density, and actually wake up, make a difference, do what you're, what you're called to do. So if we speak of love, the way I interpret it is about the willingness to give back to creation through the Leo Aquarius archetype. Um, that's what leadership is about. Mm. Because if you look at other archetypes, let's say just the axis that precedes or follows it is Pisces Virgo. And what is Pisces Virgo? It's more about learning that there's something bigger than you and that you have to surrender and that you have to be of service. And so you, you learn the other side of that equation that you're not in charge and it's not all up to you and that you, you have to accept that larger force and embrace the oneness of it. But through Leo and the fire principle, you realize, no, I am here to give something. I'm here to participate, not just to watch, hmm. not just to visit, but to be engaged. And that is only coming from love, ultimately. And, and living love, yeah. Yeah, when I first tuned into the truth at the 12 were pairs of six, right? six pairs. Um, my favorite example is, you know, when we look at hot and cold, they're actually just temperature, right? And when we look at Libra and Aries, you can put them together and it spells libraries. And this is the book of relationship. And so Libra in like the othership principle and Aries in the selfness principle. And we need those in balance to come into the middle way and right relationship. And so I started asking this question and it's something all my students to answer these riddles. Okay, then what is Taurus Scorpio? What is Gemini Sagittarius? And I was just contemplating this. I ran into Agent Merlin, into Rick Levine at a party in Seattle. We get to rub shoulders a lot out in the real world. It's great. Um, and I asked him, okay, well, so what is, as hot and cold or temperature, you know, what is Leo Aquarius? And his first response was love, and that Leo is this burning kind of self-love and living life is love, and Aquarius is the love for all of humanity. And one thing before I move on from there, I was just expressing that, is sometimes, like, 
our love for humanity and our love for the future and our love for figuring this thing out and making sure that we can survive so you know our species can continue and and sometimes we can really like future trip into a place where we've totally lost the love of life like and actually it's the intent of preserving life because we love life but we've forgotten about our own individual life so a thing that's really important to me and this might come more from this pisces access um looking at like the hidden messages in water masaru emoto's work you know where he showed just our intention and language and, and prayer with water can literally realign the crystalline structure i think now a lot of receiving water not to be in like an apologetic place um sorry we pollute you and there's people who don't have water to drink because i'm just like embedding and said i love you thank you i receive you and the same with earth right because we're in this place where it just seems like we're blowing the earth up and it's terrible but if we go out with that in our heart we're actually sending that message to earth there's something about knowing that and changing our ways for a better way ahead a better day but also just to get out and be with these juniper trees you know and the pines and the rocks and to just be in love in that moment and i love hearing you describe that as kind of waking up as the sun so you know merlin quickly went to yeah but you know what all signs are love like every axis is love and so what is it and and what one that i've come into is that it's the axis of creation and that leo is inspiration you know from kind of within and that aquarius is imagination it's that 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 force that allows me to write better if i'm sitting in a library because everyone's antenna is tuning in to something up there does that make sense it does and you know if we look at if we look at the element of fire i think like you you were saying or or quoting rick all the signs and body love you know there's not it doesn't belong to a particular sign but there's a different frequency and the love of leo that that is represented that is embodied in the lion is is a love that like we say has to do with wanting to give the generosity because especially people who you know do a lot of consciousness work or you know have spiritual practices know how hard it can be to be in this dimension and to know that you know we are hurting the planet and to know that we are uh, that there's such density and things are are you know solutions are out there and and we're not using them and it can be frustrating and in my work I see so many people who engage in a spiritual uh, the more they become spiritual the more they tune out mm. and it's almost like a separation between flesh and spirit and this is where you bring the scorpio and the taurus and that's one of the talk i presented at norwak the separation between spirit and flesh and the fact that the more spiritual you become the more detached you are from the senses from attachment to physical things mm-hmm. but the you know the the difficulty with that is that we end up separating from that sun leonian presence of contributing and actually staying here 
And one of the things I often say to people is, the more you want to leave this place, the more you're going to come back to it. <laughs> and if you feel like this is your last incarnation, uh, try to see where is your escape mechanism. And that's what I feel the love of Leo is about, is, is that showing up aspect. If we remember that the fire principle is one of the elements that is actually the least accessible in nature. Mm. Now we have air, we have earth, we have water falling from the sky or, or you know, flowing in the river, but where is fire? You have to ignite the fire, you have to work for it. Obviously we have the sun which provides the fire, but as far as harnessing fire, there's a whole, the whole Prometheus myth around the fact that fire was not owned, was not accessible to humans. And that's part of what the lion on the planet, as an animal, part of what the lion represents. And if you look at a lion with a mane, they are the flame around the sun. Part of that is the right use of power. Leo is about having tremendous power, access to tremendous power, the creative principle. But how you can burn a whole forest down with fire or how you can illuminate consciousness with fire. <clears throat> so these are things that are very pertinent for our time um, because as this axis is activated now in, our, in this transit and through this month of eclipses, it's, it is about saying, you know, what am I to do? Where, you know, it's, where, you know it's, it's being generous with life and it's giving back. Uh, it's like 50 places I want to go. Um, <laughs> one thing is, you know, you talked about, well, before the Aquarius-Leo axis is the Pisces-Virgo axis. Like, and that's so from a processional standpoint, um, where we're actually moving retrograde through the signs, through the, the astrological ages, as we call them. It said one age every 2,160 years in some senses. Um, but if we're moving zodiacally, right, or if we look at this eclipse family, for example, that um, on August 21st, 2017, right, Sarah cycle 145, it's called, it was last around in Leo, earlier degrees in 99, and Leo in 81, but before that time in Cancer. So these cycles are so beautiful because they move through the zodiac, they usually move through the deacons of the zodiac. But what about looking at it from the other way as well? So what, um, if we're studying this, Aquarius, Leo, Axis, what about the Capricorn Cancer side and how, what that brings to this Gnosis? What do you think? Well, I think that it's much more worldly and much more connected to the tribe. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, Cancer just traditionally kind of as the fourth sign. It's the place where we found our spark of life and our sparks in a vessel, you know, Taurus, we have a body in Gemini, we need to learn how to communicate because the body needs to eat. <laughs> and so once if we can receive what we need to eat through learning that communication, then we can open the heart. When, and, it's, and, and there's that nurturing force and that family force for us to like well, have yeah. safety and trust, yeah? I think, you know, you, you named it. I think the Cancer Capricorn has to do with 
what is so sacred in many uh, indigenous tradition is the connection with the ancestors is remembering your ancestry both biologically and spiritual ancestry because mm. it's 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 happening on different levels so the cancer capricorn is understanding where you're coming from and what you're built with you know what 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 is your dna what you know where can you source your soul and the leo aquarius is about the future so one is the past and it's the elders and it's the lineage that you are actually coming from whereas uh, the leo aquarius is about so the where are we going where are we taking this the next generation the new paradigms and what needs to shift and this is also encapsulated in the saturn uranus conjunction cycle mm -hmm. where you have a merging of the ancestry with the future generation the need to bring the old and the new together and understand that there is no future if you don't respect your ancestors you know the indigenous people will always whatever they do they call upon the help of the ancestors mm. so i think that's a very important part of the cancer capricorn delivery um, and i want to just mention one thing about the Scorpio Taurus because we create a fixed cross and we speak of Regulus where the eclipse is going to be and Regulus is a royal star uh, considered by many tradition you know originating I believe the first ones that possibly wrote about it or, or, or you know where we can be traced with a Persian so these royal stars there are four of them, and they're each in, um, in, in the fixed constellation. Even though they shift with the precession now to mutable signs, uh, they are still in the constellation of fixed signs. So, you know, the Regulus is the heart of the lion, um, Antares is the heart of the Scorpio, Aldebaran is the eye of the bull, and Fomahalt is the recipient of the Aquarian waters, or Pisces Australis, as it's called, which is basically a constellation of a fish uh, that is right at the bottom of the, the Aquarian water. So all the fixed constellation, Aquarius, Leo, uh, Scorpio, Taurus are represented by this royal star and we have to ask ourselves so why are the fixed stars so important why are they referred uh, we refer to the fixed constellation in the Bible they are on the tarot wheel you know we see the four lion Aquarius lion human bull and Scorpio, which is also the snake and the eagle. If you look at the book of Ezekiel, you know, the vision that he has is of a beast of four heads. Mm -hmm. And it's the head of the bull, a head of a lion, the head of a human, and the head of an eagle. 
so much iconography, right? Like Shark's Cathedral, you'll see like Jesus sitting in the Vesica Pisces with the lion and the bull and the eagle and the angel, and he's pointing to the angel up here and just everywhere, right? Old Babylonian, too, with like animals that have like the bull's tail and the yeah. lion's body and the eagle's the sphinx, wings. Yeah. The griffin. Mm-hmm. The griffin is a fusion of these four forces. The griffin is half eagle, has the wings, has a body of a lion, has the head of a human, and the tail of the bull. Now, if you look at the sacred animals in most cultures, India, cows and snakes, America, eagle, condor, Africa, lion, Mexico, jaguar, you know, buffalo here too. Which buffalo like, yeah. in America. Mm. So all these four signs represent leadership and nobility, also in the animal kingdom. And we were, spo- you know, we were speaking earlier about white lions and white bison, and and how, you know, they are um, considered sacred by some indigenous uh, traditions as well. So all this is encapsulating the fixed signs which are now activated. Why? What's in the fixed signs? Mm. And to me, uh, the fixed signs represent kingdom. Now let's look at Leo, you know, the king. What is a king? What's the actual role of a king, the spiritual role of a king? If we look at the Bible, you know, the first king was Saul and then David. Suddenly, this concept was integrated in, into the consciousness. <clears throat> Suddenly, there was such a thing as a king. So what is the role of a king? You know, we can, we can explore that because if we understand kings and queens, we can understand the fixed signs and their role, their sacred role, and why they hold that cross, which is the middle of the zodiac. As you know, uh, cardinals, cardinal sign represent the beginning. So the first degree of cardinal are important, the zero and the one. The fixed signs are the middle, they are the anchor. That's why the 15th degree is important in the fixed signs. Then the mutable sign are the culmination and the ending. This is why the end degrees of the mutable are very important. And the the upcoming lunar eclipse, Mm. which happens between the 7th and the 8th, depending where you are on the globe, so 8 of 8, is on the 15th degree of Leo Aquarius, that very important, potent middle degree of the fixed signs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where, you know, really, uh, we tend to look at um, at the solar eclipse and how important it is, but I think that lunar eclipse carry a very significant charge as well. Yeah, and that's the thing too of like cancer leading into Leo and these eclipses throughout time, right? Like in 19 
63, for example, the same eclipse family, July 20th, it was in the sign of Cancer. And then 81, it ingressed Leo, right? And in a way, if we just look at like the traditional associations of those signs, it was bringing the moon to the sun. And that's such an important thing when we look into these nodes, like regardless of what you, how you practice with the nodes in your own astro kung fu, they are just astronomically very, they're very physical things. They're where the moon and the sun meet. A lot of people say they're totally esoteric, you can't see them. But if you learn the sky and you can track the moon's movement above and below the ecliptic over time, you can really see where the nodes are. And regardless of where your moon and your sun are and um, how close to the nodes they may be, the, the, the nodes themselves, the lunar nodes themselves, they are like this internal place where the energetic of the moon and the sun are married. You know what I mean? And I think that's so important when we're contemplating eclipses and these nodal axes and that it's from Earth, you know, for me, matter, where moon and sun are one at all times. I see moon and sun as soul and spirit. And so these new moons like we just had yesterday, it's that time and that marriage. But there's this word that we use, um, syzygy, to describe either a new moon, moon and sun together, or a full moon, moon and sun totally opposite. I just love that that same word is used to describe these principal phases of illumination when they're together and opposite. And I, I could swear there was some reason why I went into this whole trip here. Um, but one, th one thing I love to just vision into is like, okay, so, you know, yesterday, July 23rd, we had a Leo new moon in like the first degree. And then we'll have this Leo new moon, this total solar eclipse, and near the last degree. And then the full moon between, this lunar eclipse, is right there in these middle degrees you're talking about, right? So it's almost as if this entire, the entirety of the 30 degrees of the sign are being activated this month. And it's, it's a rare thing. I mean, you have to have a solar eclipse in the very last two degrees of a sign for it to be preceded by a new moon in the same sign. Right, and that's happening now. So there's, we're like in a month of almost like warm up to really claim this Leo energy in these axes, right? Because this is something I just love to share. You know, people often will say, oh, we just need to get back to the lunar calendar and 13 months of 28 days. Well, the moon doesn't do 28 days ever. The moon does all sorts of cycles. None of them are 28. There's 12.3 lunations a year. And so it's super funky when you try to mate the, the lunar and the solar calendars, right? So this has been done throughout time in many different ways, but it takes 19 years, 19 sun years, which is 235 new moons for them really to sink. And um, I'm distracted by Rick Levine saying, hi guys. Um, but anyway, so we can have these times, like this year has been really profound because when we look at the four principal phases of the lunation being new moon, first quarter moon, full moon, third quarter moon, or new moon waxing half, full moon waning half. This year they've been true to modality. And I know this vocabulary might be more than some of you, some places where you guys want to go, but bear with me for a second. So we've done like, for example, the Aries lunation was Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn. 
and then the Taurus lunation, all fixed signs, right? Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, and then Gemini did Gemini, Virgo, Sag, Pisces. They've been true to their modalities. So we had cardinal, fixed, mutable, cardinal. And this lunation that began yesterday with a Leo new moon, we will have a Scorpio first quarter. We will have an Aquarius full moon, which is the lunar eclipse. We will have a Taurus third quarter. And we're really tuning into this fixed axis that Maurice is invoking here. And it's almost like fixing us into what is that nature because the next lunation, as it starts in the very end of the degree, right, the Leo total solar eclipse on August 21st, by the time we get to first quarter moon, sun will already have left Leo and ingressed Virgo. And so that lunation is going to be Leo, um, Sag, Pisces, Gemini, right? It will go fixed, mutable, mutable, mutable. And then we'll see that for some time of like the new moon being in a different modality than the rest of them. And it just feels like even though this, this total solar eclipse is so strong, it's like we're almost being more tuned into the Leo essence in this current cycle, like as a prerequisite to, to help us understand how we personally want to engage with the eclipse. Does that register? Of course. And, you know, what, what is also compelling is that it's not just the, the new moon and the, the eclipse, is that there's a lot, many planets are actually traveling in Leo right now. Mars is, gonna, is going to, um, to be this whole month also in Leo. So it adds to the fire. You know, Mars is Aries. It has that very potent drive. And like you say, you know, understanding astrology is understanding cycle. It's all a clock. It's all about ticking and understanding that when is the alarm clock ringing? When is it time to incarnate? When is it time to disengage? Understanding astrology and understanding these cycles, whether it is eclipses, whether it is lunations, it's basically being in tune with the pulse of the universe. Mm. That's what it's... Uh, astrology is about an alignment with a rhythm, a pulse that is cosmic. And if the more we understand it, the more aligned we are, the more we tune into our Aquarian higher self which means our antennas open mm. we become the vertical conduits connecting heaven and earth through our spine so if you know under, that's part of the reason why astrology is represented by this very axis because it's about the Aquarian perspective you know something out there, planets rotating, and us understanding that these, the timing and the, the, this cosmic clock, the more we are in tune with its rhythm, the more we can bring it into manifestation, Leo, and know what to do, when to do it, and why we're doing it. And that's when you are a co-creator. That's when, you know, you make things happen. 
Another thing, just to touch on uh, the Cancer Leo, um, and we know that it has a lot to do also with feminine, masculine archetypes. Um, and part of it is this, you know, incarnating, descending, coming into our bodies, coming into the mother, and to, you know, through the mother we are birthed. And there is a descent. As we are birth, we actually descending through the birth canal. Mm. And and that's why, because of the split between spirit and flesh, everything that has to do with descent is um, demonized. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why women were demonized in so many cultures, mm. because they are the conduit of descent. Mm-hmm. Just look at the Taurus, you know, which is a very feminine sign as well. It has horns and then it goes into a, a canal. A Capricorn, same thing, the horns of the animal leading to a descent into that incarnation, into the earth. Um, so all these feminine signs have to do with being here, whereas the masculine sign have to do with rising. Fire has to do with rising. And that's what the nodes are. That's why the south node is seen as negative, because it's a curve down, it's the descent. It's ascending, right? Whereas the north node is the ascension. Mm-hmm. And these, the nodes actually regulate the energetic circuit of our spine. The descending and ascending, just like the Star of David, you know, one triangle pointing up, the other triangle pointing down, and what is at the center. Only when you connect the descent with the ascension can you have the heart. Yeah, I love that because we speak about Kundalini rising. Yeah. But really, the Inda Pingala, it's going both ways, right? It's just like opening the, the full extension, the channel. And we talk about, like, in the Seal of Solomon or the heart chakra, right? I mean, alchemically, we call that, which we use for water signs and earth signs, right? The chalice. And then air signs and fire signs, the blade. Mm-hmm. So down and in and up and out. And it's almost like if we do demonize the down, well, then we're like giving too much energy to the blade, you know, and think about that and like the warlike nature, which seems to be riddling us. And so, and one, two things that just from an astronomical perspective, this is why we started calling the descending node, the south node, I'm sure, is because the descending node in the southern hemisphere ascends. And so one thing we're doing is we're connecting, I mean, Cosmic Intelligence Agency, brilliant, right? Because headquartered in Melbourne, right, in the southern hemisphere, where, you know, from the northern perspective, the zodiac's upside down. But who's right? Neither, right? And it brings it into balance. So we can go in both directions, right? Um, but And it's also, you know, three chakras up, three chakras down, mm-hmm. and the heart chakra is the integration. Right, here. If you're, not, if you're not grounded, and if you're not accepting your incarnation here, and you only want to ascend you won't access the heart. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. Love is not 
It is something that you experience spontaneously. It's not the fruit of work. It's not the fruit of, uh, you know, an, uh, the intellect. It is something that happens naturally when you are in tune, when you are in balance. Your heart opens. Yeah, so it's, I just, I love, you know, this wasn't really the plan today, but never have a plan so the <laughs> truth can come through. But I haven't really just thought about how, you know, Leo, Aquarius, it's just all up. So one way that we balance that is to bring in the Taurus, you know, and the Scorpio. Mm -hmm. And so when we look to these squares to the nodes are where we say the lunar bendings are, mm -hmm. and the moon actually gets furthest from the path of the sun at the bending places, mm -hmm. right? And it's fun to have this conversation with you because you're a Aquarius Leo nodal person and I'm a Scorpio Taurus nodal person oh, just in our nativity, wow. right? Interesting. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's yeah, just what I'm really feeling, um, and it's almost maybe one of the reasons why I didn't tune in so deeply at the moment of the new moon yesterday is because I was waiting to, to like, go here with you is that um, this lunation is just so key because it's really going to tie us through these principal phases and through what a lot of the planets are doing like right now for example Mercury is right in Leo in the last degree like right where the eclipse will be and Mercury is going to ingress Virgo very soon and retrograde and come back into Leo and then station direct at, the, at this Leo eclipse degree right so he's also going into the earth and like bringing that back like after the time, back to the cyclist, bringing the earth to the fire, because how can we have fire without wood? You know? mm -hmm. And um, so I just would love to wrap with you about these squares or this cross or this grand square of the fixed signs. Like if we look at the first quarter moon in Scorpio, and we usually say that's a time of tension or Rudger said like conflict in action, um, to like a Leo seed that's planted, or that, that first quarter Scorpio moonlight reflecting Leo sun. Why, why is there a tension between Scorpio and Leo? They seem to be both focused on really living in aliveness. Yes, um, and it's like everything. I, what, that's why I never call aspects in astrology harmonious or disharmonious, mm. because they're neutral. They're just some kind of connection. But there is work involved in a square. I mean, Scorpio is death and Leo is life to begin with. But are they really at odds with each other? Mm -hmm. We see it as polarized. But we, you know, what is Scorpio saying? Is that if you want to live your Leonian flame, you need to transform and you have to go through these symbolic deaths mm. because Scorpio is not about dying Scorpios experience death around them because they learn how precious life is by confronting death by seeing the danger of death and they know that if they don't transform and shapeshift they're gonna die much sooner so what you're actually doing through the Scorpio transformation is extending your contract. If you have, you know, X amount of years to live by birth, Scorpio is about doing whatever you can, transforming your consciousness, 
educating yourself, doing, going to the shrink, taking your pills, <laughs> doing whatever it takes. It's not to about taking your pills. <laughs> taking your turmeric pills. All right. <laughs> uh, whatever it takes to actually give yourself an extension of life. Mm -hmm. So it is about the rebirth. And, and at some point you will expire. Mm. And the expiration is not Scorpio, it's Pisces. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah, and so that fear of death, and even the fear of the fear of death, <laughs> will keep us living sometimes in a really false light, you know, in a false love of life. Like, it's almost impossible to truly embrace, like, the essence of this moment, this love of life, this creation of Leo, unless we're willing to face even the fear of the fear of the fear of death. And so as that seed of this Leo seed sprouts in the Scorpio first quarter, if we're willing to go there, and if we're willing to say, okay, what will I, like, you know, they say live and let die, but it's kind of more like die and let live, right? What will I, what am I willing to release for the sake of transformation or like compost? Yeah. Then we can get what to this to real Aquarius. Exactly. Right? And that's when, you know, you, you can transcend. Aquarius is about the transcendence. Mm -hmm. But what I think is that there is a healthy fear of death. Mm. Just like, you know, Scorpios, and we're both, we both know about that, there's a lot of grief about Scorpio. And who wants to grieve? Who wants to experience loss? We're not talking about having a bad day. We're talking about really uh, seeing the, you know, the pain of our earth, agonizing, seeing the pain of a loved one mm. go and gone. So... I think it's part of our human experience to, to not want to experience loss and death. Mm. But at the same time, it helps us appreciate life. Because if you are not afraid of death at all, then you take life for granted. Yeah, and it feels like that's a passageway to an Aquarius energetic that hasn't lost the ways of the heart yeah that that training through like the death birth principles lets us like really reflect upon that leo light without losing its intent of life of fire mm -hmm. but now can have this love of humanity without losing love for self right well you know what we say about aquarius when the aquarian is misaligned they love humanity, they don't like humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hear that so often in talks, you know, I'm talking about the, the great prophecies of the cataclysm and like, it's like half of the audience murmurs, it's about time or can't yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, what is that about? Yeah. Right? I mean, so, I mean, so if we can claim that, that Aquarian energy that does love humanity, but also with the love of self and the love of species, then we can ground into like this fruit of Taurus in this cycle and really get into the body um, and the art. The incarnation. Mm. It's, you know, Taurus is about, the, the, the very meaning of Taurus is, is, like you say, it's incarnation. It's the spirit into flesh. The spirit into matter. That's what Taurus is about, is build your temple mm. and honor your temple. Your body is a temple, and it is the vessel of spirit. So if you want to develop your spiritual life, it's not about detaching from your body and seeing the senses as something that distracts you 
from the oneness. Mm. It's about understanding the maintenance. It's about understanding the sacredness of form. That's why Taurus has to do with sacred geometry, mm. with the right alignment of physicality, so that spirit can travel and do its work as intended. Just like you go to these sacred places, you know, we talked earlier about the mountains being aligned with the solstices, and we talked about the beauty of Sedona and the, you know, the, the different monuments here. And how, in fact, all these, the physicality of Taurus, the earth, captures, if it's grounded in the right way, it's capturing, embodying spirit on earth. Mm. You know, in other words, is is basically um, paradise is not up there. Yeah, I, I just love how you invoke the Taurus archetype. There's like a lot that I, I'm kind of missing in Virgo, or that I've repositioned to, or I just did it <laughs> from Taurus to Virgo. Um, so it's just it's a pleasure to hear that from you. There's things you said earlier today that really opened me up to to hearing that heartbeat in a in like a new level. Um, but one thing you know in the, in the Taurus, just in the glyph, it's it's the only glyph of the signs that is also composed of the elements that we use to compose the glyphs of the planets, which is the circle of spirit and the crescent of soul. Mm-hmm. And so we, I mean, we can see bull and cow and even like reproductive stuff in here. But one thing, you know, it's it said in the tradition that the sun is exalted in Aries and the moon in Taurus. And it, I see that glyph as this setting sun mm-hmm. in that first crescent moon, Diana's bow, especially mm-hmm. like in Hawaii where you live for so long, where you can really get that vertical mm. crescent bowl you know, and that then bowl and bowl and chalice really get interesting. So I just, I feel like I'm, I'm loving, you know, I don't know if that the language is transmitting as much as I'm receiving personally here, but it really feels like this lunation um, fixing us into these fixed signs to really understand and to really look at like that, that blend of above and below and this nature of these royal stars over time. It's kind of bringing us back into like, the depths of the human experience um, so we can prepare for this eclipse and really come now into the lion's heart in a powerful way. And, and you know, one thing we should say about constellations and signs, the, the lion's heart, Regulus, which was even said of the four royal stars, the star that ruled them all, mm-hmm. in late 2011, 2012, it, it precessed from the tropical sign of Leo into the tropical sign of Virgo. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, I mean, if we consider the great year, the processional cycle to be about 26,000 years, this will be the first total solar eclipse at Virgo Regulus for 26,000 years. And again, we're seeing this blend of like blade and chalice just in that alignment. And I think it's really bringing us into the earth And when we think about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, this also feels like one of these great kind of prerequisites to begin to engage. And so there's so much talk about this as this great American solar eclipse. And I mean, in some ways, it's like it's an eclipse. And and here, I mean, it is really interesting because 
here the astronomy and the astrology actually agree, right? Because the astronomy shows us that the shadow path will be from sea to shining sea as we sing around here across the continental United States, like not even in Canada and Mexico. And then when you look at the alignments to the president's chart, which we're not going to get into today, thankfully, um, and, and also to the chart for the United States, like it's, I love seeing the astronomy and the astrology really come together. And I think knowing that, you know, the United States at that kind of Declaration of Independence birth has this Leo Aquarius access yeah. and has really if seemingly lost the way um, of, of maybe even original intent of how to utilize that force for an inspired, imaginative creation of balance and, and true... Um, Let's say like the philosopher king and queen, two beautiful doves just flew over our heads. Um, but, the, but, that the, but that this eclipse is at Regulus, that to me feels like the greatest thing about it. And, um, and so Maurice and I, we were, I was here for a couple of hours before we hit go, and we were really speaking about the white lions. Um, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about the white lions. And I'll just start with saying, Maurice told me a lot about his time with the Lions, um, but the thing that really, like, I'll, I'll take home more than any other is observing the Lions watching the moon and watching the sky. Um, so maybe we can just have a bit of a white lion transmission, if that feels okay, and close things yeah, up. Sure. Well, it's interesting you bring this up. Um, It's interesting, I was sharing with you also, um, when I, uh, I have my nodes in Leo Aquarius, and with my first nodal return around age 18, that's when I, that's when I got into astrology. And that's the Aquarian principle, you know, it's rising to the stars. And the second nodal return is when I had this very moving and, and uh, transformative experience with the white lions and that was the Leo part and that was again a very clear embodiment that there's no good or bad between the north and the south <laughs> you know they each have a role but you know one of the things I will share with you that I think is very important for all astrologers to understand when I met with these lions and I had this personal experience where the lion was really gazing into my eyes and, and transmitting something that, and giving me that regular heart-opening experience, what I understood is that these constellations, they're not just constellations. They're alive here. Mm. These animals are not are connected to the stars they are connected to these constellations the crab and the goat are not just symbols they are actually living forms of these constellational principles yeah. so I suddenly realized that this lion brought the energy of the Leo constellation in a direct form and it really opened you know I always was close to nature and animals and had my own you know personal communication with them 
But that was such a palpable understanding uh, of, of how this embodiment of, of our incarnation here is representing some cosmic principle. Mm. And one, you know, an interesting thing about the white lion is that they're very rare. They exist only in one place on the planet, which is South Africa, exactly south of the Sphinx, um, on the meridian of the Sphinx. So there's a direct correlation between the ancestral connection to Egypt and the roots of Africa. But the interesting thing is that they, there were many legends that mentioned the white lion as the first animal to roar, and as the legend says, the last one to roar. Hmm. But they, they were just in legends. Only in the last century were there actual sightings, with the first photograph only being in 1975. That's when they actually, there was a proof that they exist. And it's a lion, you know, it's not an ant. Like, how do you miss a white lion in nature? If they're there, you would see them. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's something about their return. They seem to have returned recently to our planet. And a lot of very, very difficult circumstances around that because as something important happens, there's always sabotage, there's always misuse, um, and, and I won't get it, you know, fully into that, but, you know, to me, there may be some connection with the fact that the age of Aquarius in the Northern Hemisphere is balanced with the age of Leo in the Southern Hemisphere. And the white lions now have returned in the southern hemisphere. Is this synchronistic? Is this a coincidence? I don't know. But we will leave to tell. Um, what we can take from this particular eclipse is, um, interestingly, one of the African shaman, great teachers of Africa, Credo Mutwa, mentioned in the book uh, Mystery of the White Lions, which you know is timely if you want to read it. It's, it's the time during these eclipses. Uh, he mentioned how these lions come from the stars. And they actually manifested spontaneously, you know, as, as an important crossroad in the turn of what's happening on this planet. And like you were saying, there's something about them, when you look at them, that they're gazing at the heavens. Um, they seem to be tracking something. And, you know, prey is usually down here. When you want to eat your <laughs> antelope, it's in front of you. It's not going to be up in the stars. Um, it's just interesting uh, things like that so to me what this means is that there is and manifestations in nature 
that reflect this timing, you know, this cosmic clock. And it shows up in, you know, Donald Trump emerging and... Thank um, <laughs> you, the dog barking. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, um, um, the extinction of the species. All these things are cues about what needs to happen. Mm. And the dangers we're facing and the challenges we're facing. So I think there is something very important about the return of the white lions in this time. And there does seem to be a Regulus connection and Eclipse connection, and here we are with an Eclipse and Regulus. And but one thing I'm just hearing in, in, as you speak is like, well, the lion like is so embodied, you know? There's like so much mass, they're so earthly, and you know, their world is down here. It's almost like they're able to gaze up and out in a profound and sentient you know, embodied way, like knowing where we come from, not necessarily trying to escape this place yeah, to go up there. exactly. And that this cycle really feels like this current Leo cycle that started yesterday really feels like it's bringing us Scorpio first quarter into the mystery, mm -hmm. you know, of, of that, of just being, you know, and really in, 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 in doing some searching like down, you know, in this cycle so we can really see what we're looking to eclipse in us so we can come to our that highest like playful creative living life as art which is a promise of the leo mysteries if we if we go consciously right? well what you know one word uh to understand about eclipses if we if we look at ancient at least what's what's written because as you mentioned most of the sacred knowledge was oral and so none of it is actually trackable mm. but what is trackable and what has been written quite often the reference to eclipses is very negative mm. because this feeling that the you know the sun is hidden and the light is taken away from us it's as if <clears throat> they take back the fire from us and we are suddenly helpless and powerless and you know, we don't have heat and we don't have light. So eclipses were often seen as, as some kind of daunting, um, ominous uh, phenomena. But what we need to understand is that eclipses are simply a time where this, the moon and the sun come together in communion. As you mm. say, this happens in privacy. Like we, we don't shed light uh, on lovers and 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 uh, two souls, two forces in fusion and in uh, in union, and but at the same time, the spiritual aspect of it is that this time of darkness is actually a time where we cannot fully understand, and where we should not fully understand what's going on. Mm. It is something that's beyond our ego, it's beyond our control, and we need to allow something to happen through us. So the eclipse is a time of divine intervention. Mm -hmm. This is why you may experience an acceleration of events. You may experience sudden changes that you did not plan on. Mm. Things shifting quickly. 
people coming into your life and changing your life. And at the same time, things also taken away from you. You may experience a loss. It is so that because the portal are opening, many souls are actually deciding to leave during eclipse times. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of traffic of coming and going. And, you know, tuning into that is, is accepting that this eclipse may, you know, when, when the lights come back, we may suddenly realize something new. We may mm -hmm. suddenly understand uh, what happened after the fact. Um, if it is in Leo, this realization may have to do with your sense of purpose in life. Mm -hmm. You know, why are you waking up now? What's your next step? Where is your life heading next? What do you need to focus your, your vitality, your force mm -hmm. on? Can I really say bringing attention very clear attention to these things that say it is not your time, you're not ready, that's not culturally acceptable, whatever, right? Like the analogy I use for the eclipse is you, you walk into the, the blacklit club and suddenly you can see these stains on your shirt. You know? <laughs> and so this is a time just having that awareness, you can wash that off, right? And so it just lets you, your shirt really shine. You can fully blast the logo. <laughs> so, I mean, we could do this all day. I think it's probably... A good time to wrap up, you feel? Um, I would just want to say thanks for joining us and um, not only here today on this beautiful Sedona porch, um, but in this quest to honor the celestial happenings and to, and to practice with them in our, in our living experience. You know, astrology is an amazing art in yoga and, and I'm so glad that you, like we, have come to call the cosmic quest home and that you, um, like we, have also found a home in the Cosmic Intelligence Agency. Um, I want to bring your awareness to the truth that these types of conversations will be happening more and more. So sign up to receive notifications for Go Lives from CIA and become a member. There's amazing benefits. One is that, and this is available to non-members too, Bill Meridian um, is going to be doing a webinar for CIA really soon. I can't tell you the date right now, but if Yuli is watching, maybe she can post a link here. Um, Bill Meridian's book, Predictive Power of Eclipse Paths, has been like an amazing opener for me. And he studied with Jandro, who studied with Jane, just like Eclipse Master. So he's going to have a lot of cool information to bring to this strange puzzle that we've all been um, finding pieces to put together for. So I'm so glad to um, sit in your presence today, Mr. Maurice Fernandez. Well, thank you, and you know, you are a true poet, mm. and, and singing the song of stars, you know, I, I really see that in your way of communicating this sacred knowledge, it, you bring it in a song, and it seems like natural, he doesn't even try, mm. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, hopefully we'll get to tune in directly, Sedona's been cloudy and cool, and that's cool but hopefully my, my last night we'll get a little star magic we, we shall see well you are star magic thank you so much for joining us here and thank you Yulia Control thank you Cosmic Intelligence Agency for Maurice Fernandez this is Gemini Brett signing off we will see you in space